blessed to have the first message today by Mr. David Hope entitled, Love and Grace Work Together. Thank you, young Mr. McGarvey. Appreciate what you're doing. Good to see everyone here today that made it here safely. I hope you made it here safely. Look, I don't see any bandages and any blood, but anyway, good to see. You know, we have a lot to be thankful for, I guess, or I do anyway, for being here in Oklahoma compared to out on the West Coast where they're just being bombarded with floods and earthquakes, not earthquakes, but uh, mudslides, and then back east, you know, yesterday, tornadoes all over the place. You know, what, what in the world? That's not my subject today, but I, I can't help but uh, comment about it. You know, we've got, I'm sure we've got brethren that are, are uh, affected by those things. But anyway, not, not on a negative note, but uh, start off giving a little bit of history. Back in 1968, about 55 years ago this month, uh, my wife and I decided we would start fellowshipping with some of God's people on the Sabbath day. And uh, we didn't have too many problems, although I, I, I had a risk of losing my job. I, you know, I got uh, demoted from a job and got stripped from the machine I was driving, running, I mean. and. Uh, uh, because I was working Friday nights and I couldn't do that anymore. And uh, I got put down into a beginning class where they put some of the new people in the, in the shop. And, uh, but I, was, had, I didn't have any problems with uh, the unchurched people, but the people I had most controversy with was the church people, the people that were excited about their religion. And they were bound and determined to save me from this keeping of the law, the Old Testament stuff and all that, and, and telling me that, you know, we're under grace now instead of under law, that we don't do that anymore. And uh, to go to the bathroom, I had to go right past the where they had the big, huge drill presses. And one of the drill press operators was a, was a, a fiery Baptist, and boy, I mean, he... Anytime I come by, he'd almost grab me by the shirt tail and want to tell me about, you know, where I'm wrong and all that. And the guy that I work with, real close uh, quarters, there were four of us working in the same area there. And he was a constant, he was a, a, a newly begotten Pentecostal. And that was fun. That's fun. You know, it, it got me into studying the Bible. And one of the first subjects I got into was. Uh, speaking in tongues and things of that nature. And it was interesting, you know, I, I loved the guy very much. He, he ended up being a fine person. But like I said, uh, the only people we had any difficulty with was with people in the church, and they, they or churches anyway. And, uh, but anyway, there, I found out that there are a lot of scriptures in the Bible that that they're kind of tricky sometimes. If you're if you're not real careful, you can we can be sucked into, and and uh, you know it's it's almost like it's it's not connected. You know this you know this is right and this is right. How can they both be right? But anyway, uh, so I tried to study the best I could, and and. Uh, 
one thing that really helped me an awful lot was about three years after I'd been in the, that organization, they started up a leadership training class. Some of the people in here know that. And they get into a lot of stuff like that other than just the lessons, but they take portions of it and, and get into some of these scriptures that's so-called difficult scriptures. And I used to give messages here a few years ago, but I haven't done it in quite a while. But I picked out three this time. If I have time to do it and don't digress too much, I'll try to cover three of them. And one of them is, okay, they are, uh, one's Romans 3.28, Romans 6.14, and Ephesians 2.8.9, if I have time. I'm still doing this stuff longhand, and my computers and stuff still aren't working right. So, but I it'll it'll work. And I did it for years. Anyway, we'll go to first one be in Romans third chapter and verse twenty-eight. And I'm using my older Bible too because I'm more familiar with it than I am the new one. The new ones are anyway, but I'm. It may take me a little bit to get to the scriptures. I may even have to read them up or therefore we can say, okay. Okay. Okay, Romans 3, verse 28. I'm on Romans 5, 3, verse 28. Therefore, and sometimes they'll just take a, a verse, you know, and that's it. They just use that and they make their proof text out of that. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Without the deeds of the law. So they're trying to imply that you don't do that. You know, you're justified by faith. Point A. Does not say deeds of the law are not necessary. Doesn't say that in that verse. The subject is justification and whether the deeds of the law can justify. And most of you already know the answers to that anyway. Being justified in the biblical sense is being just and right before God. And keeping the law doesn't make you right. You know, we can, and you probably have heard this, the expression a number of times over the years, you know, you might run a red light and, uh, or a stop sign and, and get a ticket or maybe you just run it and they don't give you a ticket and they just say okay well I'm giving you grace I'm giving you <laughs> I'm giving you a warning this time well that doesn't mean that you can continue to break the law and run the stop sign every time you know it's, it's just the fact that you've got gotten by with it anyway but it, being justified in the Bible sense is made as being just and right before God. When means, oh, which means sin. Our sin is forgiven and completely blotted out. So it, uh, the question being settled is not whether to keep the law, but rather does obedience bring a person right with God. So it's not telling you you don't have to, but I've already explained that. If a person commits a crime in the civil law, and I mentioned that too, I got ahead of myself, in the future does not make him less guilty of the past. So if you keep the law from here on out, it doesn't make you uh, less guilty of the past. If you robbed somebody, broke in, 
or kill somebody, and from then on you keep the law perfectly, you're not, you're not justified. You still have that hanging over you. Paul shows that in verse 20, where 20 is, that the deeds of the law justify no one. I'll read that. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. If you don't have law, you don't have sin. Justification or forgiveness of past sins only comes through grace. We know that Jesus died and paid for our sins through Jesus' sacrifice. It is the knowledge of sin. The conclusion is that we are justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Without is more, com- is more clearly translated apart from. We're justified apart from the law. The law doesn't justify us. doesn't mean to do away with it, do away with or void the law. We establish it. Romans 3.31 Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. So we're, we're not Romans is not doing away with it. Once reconciled to God, we must keep the commandments. It is the doers of the law. We'll go over another page to Romans 2, verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. So it kind of sounds like it's contradicting, but it's not. Another one is right real close. I mentioned Romans 6, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And the proponents of that will say that, you know, we're not under the law. We don't keep the law. We're not under the, Paul says that. We're not under the law, but we're under grace. And that's true. It does say we are not under the law, but under grace. I mentioned that. The law means under the, under the law means under the penalty of the law. We're not under the penalty of the law. Not just, not the justification of the law. We're just under the penalty. When we sin, and most of you, if I ask you what, what is sin, you'll say, well, sin is what? Transgression of the law. One brief scripture, First uh, John three four. So the law does have a claim on our life. Romans six twenty Twenty-three. My eyes are watering. 
whom I have sent unto, that's not the scripture, oh, I wrote down there, I guess the wrong scripture, peace be unto you, brother. Uh, I wrote down the wrong one, sorry about that. Then we are under its penalty. It is the sinner that is under the law, you know, that hadn't had grace yet. When we repent, the penalty is taken away. We are pardoned. Then we are no longer under the law. Does this give us free license or liberty to continue in sin? And uh, Paul says in uh, Romans six fifteen. I hope I got that one down. Oh, I know what my problem was. I was in the wrong book. I was in Ephesians. Duh. Let me get back over there. I was telling my wife, it sure makes it nice when I have my computer out where I can just print the stuff out. I don't have to read it and uh, get it down right. Ephesians 6 and Romans 6 don't, 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 don't sound anything alike. I'm going to go back and read that Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. I guess you had it up on the board there. Yeah, I think I, maybe I need to do that and just read off of that. Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now we'll go to Romans six fifteen. I'm going to read 14 too. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but rather under grace? Or but under grace? God forbid. Paul says absolutely not. We can't sin just because we're under grace. Or we're forgiven of our past sins, not future crimes. If we have a future crime, then we need to repent of that. Because we'll be under the penalty of the law. The law tells you don't murder, don't steal, don't do this, don't do that. And if we do that out of weakness or, or commit it, if we repent, then God, Jesus is uh, very kind to forgive us of it. And, uh, and then we're under grace. If grace did away with the law, there would be no sin. The fact that sin does exist, there is still a law. Must have law in order to have grace. It's going to be a short one today. The next one is Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And how many times we hear that? All the time. And that, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay. In fact, 
it does say we are saved by grace. It says that. Can't, can't deny that. And not works. But it does not say works aren't necessary. It doesn't say that anywhere in there. In fact, the next verse, verse 10, shows it. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ unto good works, which God shall, God has ordained that we should walk in. So we were created for good works, to be good people, to, and uh, through his Holy Spirit he allows us to do that. But we're created for good works. It is the very purpose in which we are alive. Point B, salvation comes as a gift from God which we can never earn. You know, we can never earn that. We can never, no matter how good we try to be. Many scriptures prove obedience as a condition we must meet before God will give us salvation. And oh boy, here we go now, you're getting into that. Uh, while we're over here in Ephesians, let's, let's use Ephesians 2 and verse 10. I want to go ahead and, and read. I read this while ago. Eight. I'm going to start in verse 8. If, uh, if uh, Brian can go back that far. Ephesians 2 verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship. I read it, it created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he has ordained before them. Okay, I read that. Uh, sometimes it's good to give it to you twice. And like uh, some of the older members here that I referred to a while ago, remember Jim Reedus? He was. He told uh, Brian Knowles. I think Brian Knowles came in after Jim, didn't he? Jim Rita said he told Mr. Knowles he was from Canada. Mr. Knowles was, and and Mr. Knowles or Mr. Rita told uh, uh, Brian Knowles. He said these are Okies. You have to tell them three times. And and he he mentioned that. Mr. Knowles mentioned that uh, we went. Uh, my wife was in the choir. I think Lucille and some others were in the church choir and, and uh, they went to uh, Ponca City. We had a sister church in Ponca City, Oklahoma and, and uh, the choir was invited up there and their pastor, whoever the pastor was here would, pre would pastor uh, the uh, Ponca City Church and the Tulsa Church too and uh, I remember that morning uh, Mr. Reedus, uh, I mean Mr. Knowles mentioned that uh, to the group and and then that afternoon he mentioned it again too. So we got it two times. But anyway, but so we're, we're Okies. Uh, sometimes it takes three or four times for me. Uh, go over to uh, Matthew 19th chapter. Some other familiar scriptures to all of us. Matthew 19 verse 17. And breaking into a thought, Jesus was talking. And he said unto them, Why call you me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. That was Jesus' word. Keep the commandments. Uh, 
And there again, I'm not trying to say that we're earning our salvation. We're not because it's a combination of grace and, and uh, the law both. And we were to next one I've got is Acts fifth chapter. Acts 5 and verse 32. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to them that obey him. Obey him. And we mentioned a while ago, 1 John uh, 3, 4, we'll go over to 1 John Get to First John. First John two four. Verse four says, "He that says I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him." So here's a few more of our proof texts that we've always known before we got sidetracked with uh, the ones that you're totally under grace. Faith and works go together. Faith without works is dead. And a lot of people don't like to, to read this. Uh, I'm thinking that... Uh, uh, I can't even think now because the person that... Uh, another one of these senior moments that, that wrote on the Catholic church door. What was his name? What was it? Louder. Martin Luther. Thank you, whoever that is. I should have turned these up again. Yeah, Martin Luther didn't think the book of James, I think it was him, didn't, shouldn't even be in the Bible because it, to him it, it, it takes away a little bit of the power of what he thought Paul had and, and there's no contradiction at all there's there's a balance and uh, anyway but uh, go over to James second chapter and I'm going to read from 14 through 26 if my notes are right what does it profit my brethren though a man say he has faith and has not works if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and none of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be you warmed and filled without, without, or not without, and notwithstanding, oh, my eyes. notwithstanding, you give him not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead. So even though we're under grace, we it still requires a certain amount of work in there. Even so, faith, if it is not, if it has not works, is dead. And, and being alone, eighteen, a man may say, "You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works." You believe that there is one God, you do well. The devils believe and tremble. But will you know, O oh man, 
that faith without works is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? See, Paul was given the other side of it, which are both true. They're both true. You, you know, Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son. You know, he was he was going on faith that God had could raise him up, but he stopped him. But anyway, but he he demonstrated by his actions that he believed God. Was not Abraham our father just five works when he had offered up offered Isaac his son upon the altar? See you how faith without how faith wrought with works. So faith with works, what it says, see you have faith wrought with works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God. You know, he had faith, and it was imputed to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Verse 24, and you, and, no, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So we're not, we're not, doing away with grace at all you know we we know that that grace is so powerful so we see that it is not works or faith it is you know one or the other some say works some says faith it is not the law and it's not just grace but it's both law and the grace it works it is works and faith together and uh, Anyway, forgive the disjointedness, <laughs> but anyway, but uh, uh, we do, we are under the grace of God, Jesus Christ. We are so blessed that, you know, every single day that, that we we have to ask God to forgive me for this, whatever it is, you know, we did. And, uh, but but we do have to do certain things just to, just to show that we have. But anyway, 